In today's show, we're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers in the 2021-2022 regular season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers recording this on the 19th of April. It's going to air a month later. So I don't know where they sit. Did they beat the Raptors? Who knows? I'll find out later on. And so you'll already know. So I'm not going to be talking about the playoffs here. I'm going to be talking about the regular season. Will Doc Rivers be their coach next year? I don't know. That's going to depend what happens in the next few months. So we'll see how all of that plays out. Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. All right. Let's look at their draft picks. Yeah, they have none. Their first went to the Nets as part of the Simmons-Harden deal. And their second ended up going to Miami. Seconds get routed all over the place. So they don't have a draft pick. That's cool. What do they do this season? They were 51-31, and 31, despite the turmoil of whatever it was that was going on with Ben Simmons. The fact that he didn't play a game for them. And then, of course, you know, getting James Harden after the trade deadline helps that Embiid really didn't miss any time outside of the, his COVID absence earlier in the season. So that obviously helps a lot. It helps the ascension of Tyrese Maxey. But they were, they were really good. 12th in offense, 12th on defense. Net rating of 9th in the NBA. That expected win-loss of 9th as well. So they sort of overperformed that, which is pretty strong. They were just very, very good. How they go in the playoffs is a different story, but they they were just a really solid team in the regular season. Really good team. Their off season is interesting. The whole Doc Rivers situation, I don't know. I assume that he'll be back, but if they just completely shit the bed in the playoffs, maybe not. And then the other question is, what happens with Jim Harden? He's got a $47 million player option. The expectation, I guess, is that he opts out and signs an extension. But with how he has played, his age, is he actually going to get the $50 million a year contract? You know, I'll shit on um, Jimmy Butler's $50 million a year contract. I'll shit on Damian Lillard's potential future extension of $50 million. If Harden's getting paid $50 million... At age 37, it's going to be terrible. It's going to hamstring this team. But they have to do it, don't they? They're going to have, much like Miami had to do it with Butler, much like Portland's probably going to have to do it with Lillard, although they can still trade him. Philadelphia's probably going to have to do this with Harden. I don't. Is James going to come to the realization that I'm not quite that player anymore and I'll sign four years, 100 million? I really doubt that. There's no way he's going to do that. So it's either he opts in for $47 million and then boots after this season or they swallow and take the big load of that contract of course so that's that's that could be not detrimental no nah, fuck it it could be detrimental it could be really bad for this team in the future but they got to go for it now Dan Green's got a non-guarantee on his $10 million. he's 34 he's still producing solidly in his backup role I reckon they'll keep him around 
Big Shake Milton. He's got a $2 million team option. He hasn't really taken big steps forward, but I think he'll be back there. You've got Paulie Millsap as an unrestricted free agent. I think he's just cooked. Like, he couldn't play in Brooklyn. He can't play in Philadelphia. He's been, it's been a great career for him, but I think that might be it for him. Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, and Charles Bassey are all non-guaranteed. Every one of those ones should be guaranteed. I think that Reed and Bassey have real futures as NBA reserves. I think Isaiah Joe can work his way into a rotation as well. That's some really good, cheap contracts. DeAndre Jordan's an unrestricted free agent. If he signs anywhere, I'll lose my mind. I don't care which team it is. He should not play in the NBA. He shouldn't have been playing in the NBA for three years. He shouldn't be getting any NBA minutes. If he signs anywhere, I will not be impressed at all. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, I guess. So there are some interesting things with this team. The major one is, of course, what on earth happens with James Harden? And if they don't bring Harden back or he does decide to boot, what do they do then? Like, do they, can they do anything? Probably not. Then they're in, they're in real strife. Then they probably have to start looking at unloading the $37.5 million of Tobias Harris, which, you know, it depends which Tobias Harris they got. Do they have the, the, the thick hogsman or do they have the thin broomstick? Which one is it? It's really real hard to unload that one. Let's talk players. Actually, let's not talk players yet. Let's talk about Truebill because, you know, free trials, they renew without your consent. It's a pain in the ass. And that's just companies scamming you money. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, that you don't want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, people save 720 bucks a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Let's talk players right now. And of course, we're going to start with Joel Embiid, who was the third ranked player in fantasy this year. He played a robust 68 games. He just turned 28. He was drafted at pick 10. You know, we thought he'd be a top six player, but the worry with injuries is always there. And as I will continually, continue, that's not a word, as I will continually say, a player is injury prone until they're not anymore. I'm not saying that Joel Embiid is not going to get injured in the future, but people act like, well, he only played 55 games. That's what he's going to do every single year. And he's never going to stay healthy. At some point they will. You still have to take all this into consideration with a player with perpetual knee and back problems like Embiid. But it is far from a guarantee that that is what is going to happen every single year. And we saw it. He stayed healthy. He dominated. 31 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.1 steals, 1.5 blocks, 50 and 81 as his shooting numbers. Finalist for the MVP award. 99th percentile for EPM and estimated wins. Gigantic Raptor offensively and defensively. Leads the team. Like he's going to lead the team in every advanced stat. There's no, there's no worries about that. He's just extremely dominant. The question, I guess, is at age 28, with those issues long-term with his body, where where do we view him for drafts next year? Or where do we view him in dynasty formats? That is that is the question. Is you know, where, where how, how do we pass this information? How long is his prime? It's probably, it probably goes another three years or so. 
And I know there'll be a lot of people who will just say, well, I'm picking him top three next season. And that I, I get that. But as much as I am talking about, you know, be careful about just writing everyone off who gets injured. How much faith do we have that he plays 60? Like he could play 72 next season. Might not get COVID. Might play 72, 73. But I don't know if those problems are fixed. I'd feel a little iffy taking him in the top three or top five just because there is that inherent risk with a not degenerative problem with a, a consistent and persistent issue with those body parts. So that's going to be a really interesting argument, isn't it? There'll be some who just stay right away and don't buy it. There'll be some who go all in and pick him at two. There'll be some who sort of sit in the middle. I think that's where I'll be. But he was obviously excellent this season, um, putting up huge numbers. The next bloke, Jim Harden. Really a tale of three parts to this season for Jimmy. He was picked on average at number five. He ended up number six. If you picked him at two or three and he ended up at six, it's nowhere near the end of the world. Like we talk about a lot in the preseason, getting a guy and they miss by three, four spots, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't cost you anything. And we felt pretty safe with Harden. He struggled to begin the year, had a really nice middle stretch and then struggled in Philadelphia. 37 minutes, it's a lot. Bung hammies, he played 65 games. 22, eight and 10, 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks. The big problem with Harden's game this year is just a complete lack of efficiency, 41% from the field. He's not that he's ever been a great, great shooter, but 33 from three, 48 from two, just couldn't hit shots. It's it's quite poor. Effective field goal percentage, which doesn't include free throws, 23rd percentile. That's really bad. He was still yeah, amazing by advanced stats. Like All of those numbers were really, really positive. Defensively, he's going to suck. We know that. His other numbers were really strong. And again, he still finishes the sixth-ranked player in fantasy this season. But there was a huge decline this year. And at age 32, be 33 next season, I would bank on players at that age with hamstring issues over two years not regaining past form. I... He has been an absolute staple for me as a top three fantasy pick for six, almost as long, basically as long, I've done this podcast, almost 3,000 shows. I reckon he's been a top three pick for every one of those shows. I He is not that anymore. To me, I'm not even sure with a bung hammy, with this age, uncertainty. I, I, I'm not certain that he's going to, like he was six this year. I don't think I would pick him in the top six. I just think we're going to see an incremental decline maybe he's 10th or maybe 15th and then the next year he's 19th I, I think it's coming a, coming apart a little bit in terms of where his value sits I'll assess that more in the off season and the preseason, but that's sort of where sort of where things sit at the moment didn't talk about Embiid's on off that was a plus 11.5 Harden's was a plus 7.5 he's still really good and really effective but that top 2 fantasy player I think that's cooked I don't think that's ever coming back for Jimmy Unfortunately. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Tobias Harris, the thick hogsman. <clears throat> he was very bad at times. Quite good at other times. Very bad at other times. Very good at other times. He ended up sort of right where he always is. 59th. He was drafted at 43, which always felt a little bit too high to me. 
from memory. For, I think that's what I said. I didn't expect him to drop as much as he did this year, um, especially with Simmons out. I thought there'd be a little bit of an elevation in his production, but he just really couldn't do anything to elevate, could he? Harris is also 30 now. Played 35 minutes, averaged 17 and 7, three and a half assists, putrid steals and blocks as per usual. But 48 and 84, like I think if you thought about Tobias Harris, you'd go, yeah, he's just inefficient. Couldn't hit shots, but that's fine. 48 and 84, 37% from three. Like it's just totally fine. Not great, but totally fine. Completely like league average, true shooting and effective field goal percentage. Mid-ranges were solid. Three-pointers were solid. Advanced stats were solid. He was just okay, but there were so many thin broomstick moments from him where you just go, what is this bloke doing? There were people who wanted to drop him at times, which again was pretty foolish at the time. Even more foolish in hindsight. Um, but where do we rely upon, what do we rely upon him to do? Like you're not going to take him top 50 again. He's 30 again, a guy that maybe like his current teammate, Paul Millsap, who was elite for a period of time. Harris never got to that level, but never had the highest profile, not the highest um, prospect rating or anything like that. And when you start to hit 30, 31, when you're that player and you're a fringe all-starry sort of guy, it can drop away quickly. So the 35 minutes might move to 32, 33. The 48 shooting might go to 45. <clears throat> and then you're talking about a 75th ranked player, 80th ranked player. And I reckon that's sort of where we need to view his career trajectory from here is that he's a sub-elite player who's been very, very solid, not worth the contract, but very, very solid. But there's a significant decline that's happening. And I reckon that might start to continue. I reckon, yeah, I reckon it's not the beginning of the end, but the beginning of the end. Torres Maxi. A guy that I really liked at a pick at around 100, 110 is where I was sort of targeting him in drafts, understanding that, hey, when Simmons comes back, he's probably not going to be rosterable. Simmons never came back. Harden didn't impact him huge amounts. He did a little bit, but not huge amounts. He had some really hot stretches. He ended up as the 68th ranked player. I think in reality, when we're looking at Maxi moving forward, if a full season of Harden, he... The majority of the time when he played with Jim, he was sort of around the hundreds, which is understandable. He ended up averaging, Tangles did, 17.5 points, two threes, three rebounds, four assists, 0.7 steals, 49 and 87. So what's good there? He's only 21, so there is plenty. A guy that I really liked in the draft, by the way, and I thought Philadelphia got a steal at the time. He shot 43% from three. It's a gigantic step up from, I think, under 30 as a rookie. All right, so I look at that and go... Is Tyrese Maxey the best, second best, third best three-point shooter in the NBA? And obviously, no. Well, maybe it's not obvious to you. In my opinion, no, he is not. So I'll price that in and say, maybe he's a 40% guy. Maybe he's a 39% guy. What else was good about what he did? Good scoring, solid scoring. But from a fantasy point of view, it's not elite. Not a good rebounder, below average steals and blocks. Okay assist, okay three-point volume. Like the numbers, the, his best fantasy category was his free throw percentage. That was his best category by a considerable margin. <clears throat> there is a potential of a step forward in his third year, but you've also got to look at it and go, how does it happen with Harden and Embiid there? What does he actually improve on? Does the shooting get better? And the answer to that's probably no. I don't, <clears throat> how does it get better? He's a 45% shooter now. 
from three. Like he was in the 97th percentile from three, one of the best in the NBA. His effective field goal percentage was really good. His true shooting was great. His he's, I think he's really good. But there is a little bit lacking in his fantasy game with the low rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and maybe potential for a drop in um, field goal percentage. I think usage can stay high, but we did see a little bit of a struggle with him when he did play alongside Harden. There were some games when he was great. And that was the first couple of games after the trades. Like, hey, he's going to be the best. Fantasy people, Josh Lloyd doesn't know what he's talking about, saying that Maxi might lose value. That was, yeah, a lot of the feedback I got. But we saw that start to even out as that went along. And, and he did drop off in usage and, and touches and, and all that stuff did fall away when Harden um, arrived on the team. I'm just looking to see. He had a usage of under 19% when he shared the court with Harden. He was really efficient in that time. But that usage under 19. And he got by with a 58 field goal percentage on the court with Harden. That's just not a realistic number. As much as I like Maxi, that's just not realistic. Like what he did, impressed with what he did. I think he is a future, really strong, and a guy that they want to... I think he can be a second star on a on a team. And if you're looking in Dynasty, this is a top 40 guy in the future, I think. For next year, though, depending on the Harden scenario, I'm a little bit worried as to where he fits, because if you look at his full season numbers at 68, that's including, what, 20 games of Harden, not 70 that might be... You might get burned a little bit. He might be the 100th best guy next season at 90th. You might get... You get burned especially if you expect him to be better than that. Love what he did in the playoffs for sure. Like in that first game one, that's all I've seen. That was great. But I, I just... I worry there might be a little bit of burn factor for next season. Might not be. Again, I really like him and I like his development curve. But I'm just a little bit worried. Bet online is the number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments. Have you ever said that to your friends? Hey, mate, have you checked the latest sports developments? No, but I'm saying it right now. You can check the league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Head across to betonline.net. It's your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Maybe you can have a look at betonline.net to see what is James Harden's next team going to be. Will Doc Rivers be fired? What odds would you set for those? Hmm. BetOnline is where the game starts. Right, they're the main blokes in Philly. And after that, we go on to the painter Matisse Thibault, who we know is a very, very, very good, if not the best, perimeter defender in the NBA. We also know he's one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive player in the NBA. It's a um, conundrum. Going by rankings, he's 146th on the back of two categories. 1.7 steals, 1.1 blocks. And normally, steals and blocks can be quite volatile. They're not quite binary categories, but getting one steal or zero steals is the result of one play in an NBA game, yet it turns you from a complete nothing in that category to above average in that category. That's how crazy and variable they are. But this bloke just gets so many of them and does it so consistently that it's not as variable. Although it can be. He might get four and then zero and zero and zero and zero and then four and zero and zero and zero. He tends to do that. But the fact that he offers nothing offensively, under six points, under a three, one assist, two rebounds, never gets to the line. So I don't even trust that he shot 79% because he maybe took 60 free throws all season. 
probably less actually, maybe 50 free throws all season. I don't know where he fits on a team. And we're start, we saw that game one of the playoffs. They just don't play him that much because he's just such a liability. I'm not sure he's ever going to get big minutes or he's ever going to develop anything offensively. The advanced stats love him because of how good he is defensively. They hate him how bad he is defensively. And he had a usage of 9%. He just doesn't touch the ball. He really is a steals and blocks specialist. That is all. Don't ever look at him and bank on something else coming. If it comes, great. Fantastic. What an awesome treat that is for you. It's just unlikely to happen. I don't... Yeah, he's, he's getting to the point where he's that good of a defender, but he's that bad offensively that you can't even trust him out there defensively you know, to, to play that much because of how much it hurts offensively. I don't I haven't really seen any change in his value through his career. Like, what's he improved at? You'll say there'd be a little, few little things, but I, I don't see much. He's, what, 25 years old now? I just think he's... I wouldn't want to draft him in most cases unless I just desperately need that number. But understanding that it's just going to kill my scoring. It's, it's going to kill it. My threes, my rebounds, all of it's going to get killed by having him there. And it needs a very specific team build to deal with him. Danny Green's not far off, to be honest. 0.9 steals, 0.6 blocks, 6 points, 1.7 triples. He will hit threes at a higher rate, Danny. He's definitely not a guy that you want to draft. He was ranked 259th this season. He is, what, thirty, about to turn 35. Talked about his non-guaranteed deal. He's totally fine. Probably actually provides more value on court than Thibault does just because of his ability to shoot a little bit and get hot. But he can't do it over a prolonged period of time. And then there's just a lot of nothing here. George Niang played a much bigger role than I thought. Played 23 minutes, nine points, two threes. He was a really solid three-point streamer because he just took basically every shot from deep. He hit him at 40% as well. He was at 69%, 69% of his shots Giggity. were from deep, and he hit him at 40%. So he was really solid there. He, he does absolutely nothing else, but he was solid. You know, his Raptor was pretty okay offensively, seventh on this team in total. His EPM was above league average. His effective field goal and true shooting were really strong. He was just a very, very good offensive player who really did nothing defensively. Um... Milton, a few injuries for Shake. Only played 55 games, 21 minutes, 8 points. He's one of those guys who's like the opposite of Thibault. He can score, but almost nothing else. 8 points, only 0.8 triples. 2.5 assists, half a steal, 0.3 blocks. Yeah, to me, you're better off investing in Isaiah Joe. Coming off the bench and obviously someone like... There was, remember there was a debate at the start of the season and your mate Doc Rivers fueled it about whether it was going to be Milton or Maxi that started. To me, that was absolutely insane, even at that time. And it looks <laughs> actually laughable uh, looking back on it. But there was a debate. And Milton was hurt at the start of the season. And that was probably the only reason Maxi got that early nod. I'm telling you now, this happened. I'm, I'm actually, have I lost my mind? This did happen, didn't it? Where there was a debate whether it was going to be Shake or Maxi. It did happen, I'm sure. Um... Shake has never really done much to excite me. He can be an okay scorer, but he's one of those guys, again, that we talk about ad nauseum, and the always the sort of player I want to look for, is that he can have success, but he needs to have the ball in his hands. He needs to be running things with high usage and, and all that stuff. He needs that. But that doesn't actually lead to a good team, so why would any team give that to him? And he can't really find himself in a small role. He can't pass. He can't steal. He can't defend. He's not a rebounder. He's not a great spot-up guy. He just needs to control everything. And he's not good enough to do that. 
make putting him in the Lonnie Walker camp of like no man's land. He's probably better pass than Lonnie. I just don't think there's a huge... He's, he's already 25. I don't think there's huge upside in Shake. I'm just going to skip right over DeAndre Jordan because it's just embarrassing to me that he keeps playing in the NBA. Because he doesn't... It's not even like that he's, uh, he's older. It's like he doesn't care. He just plays like he doesn't care. And he knows that teams are going to give him playing time for... Honestly, I have no idea why. I hope I don't have to talk about him ever again. Furkan Korkmaz struggled a lot. Just couldn't shoot at all this season. 29% from three. And when your game is, I am a three-point shooter, and you can't hit them at anywhere close to league average, then it's going to be rough. 12th percentile on his three-point percentage. 17th percentile on E-field goal percentage. Doesn't get steals or blocks. He showed a little bit more passing the ball this season. That was impressive. But overall... Is he even a rotation player as we move forward? He's got two more years left at 5 million, and he's only 24, so he can have some value there, but he wasn't even a regular every night rotation guy. Not No real fantasy upside. We want to talk fantasy upside, though. Let's talk about him. Paul Reed. I really, really think he's going to be an interesting player as a bat. Not ever going to be a star center, a starting center, nothing. But back up, sure. But he didn't play. Eight minutes a night. Three points, two rebounds, 0.9 steals, half a block, 56%, but 43 from the line. As usual, this happened in college, happens now. His advanced stats are really strong. Negative 0.2 EPM, that's 46% for a bloke playing eight minutes a game and barely playing. You're dead neutral in Raptor for a bloke barely playing. LeBron, he was fourth on this team. And one of the players ahead of him was Drummond, who's doesn't not on the team anymore. Because he just is an impactful defensive player, Paul Reed is. Um, I, don't, I just think he's a really, really interesting guy who is going to be a solid backup big man in the future. But it's going to require vision from his coaches to actually trust to trust that. I would. He was 379th this year, Reedy. And he was 410th in points. That's obviously not good. But he barely played. In dynasty leagues, if you're a 250 deep league, he is a guy that in the next two years, I think will push through that. And the other guy that I like of their young players, I like a few of their young players, Charlie Bassey, old goldfinger. When he was given opportunities and he wasn't given enough opportunities, I thought that he impressed on the NBA stage. Bassey played only seven minutes a night, 3.3 rebounds, 0.7 blocks, 64%. A guy that put up really big numbers in college but had a lot of health issues and that limited what he was doing. But I thought when he was on the court, he showed that he could be an NBA player. And that is important to me. His advanced stats are okay. They're not great. They're okay for a rookie. Like the, He's holding his own, I think, would be the best way of phrasing that. He's definitely better than DeAndre Jordan in my mind. Like, that's, that's definite. And I think there is some real upside here. In his G League games, he averaged 18 and 10 with 3.6 blocks. Shot 78 from the line. Not a real spread guy. I, I really like his upside as a future backup center. I like his upside as maybe being, I think, Rashawn Holmes. A backup who eventually found a starting spot. I don't think he will ever have a top 50 fantasy season, but you know I wouldn't rule that out. I'd rule it out for a lot of players. 
I wouldn't rule it out for Bassey. He's got the fantasy skill set to get it done. Really like him. Millsap, we don't need to talk about. Isaiah Joe had a few opportunities. He hasn't really shown an ability to be an elite shooter, which is really how he's going to get by in the NBA. 33% again this season. He showed some flashes for sure, but nothing particularly exciting. And the other guy was someone I liked in the draft process, Jaden Springer. Gives me a chance to uh, to play the sound. And they just never played him. He played five minutes. I can't give you any stats because he played five minutes. He, ever, he scored one point per game in two games. I can't tell you anything good about him because they just wouldn't play him. I can tell you what he did in the G League though. And it's not super impressive. 15, 5, and 2.5. 1.7 steals. Shot 26% from three. One of the things that we thought about him coming into the draft... Very athletic, really, really good defender, on-ball on defender with some ability to maybe work into a point guard, but he needs to work on his shooting. And I think all that holds true. 67 from the line, 26 from three is bad. 2.5 assists is getting there. 1.7 steals is a good defensive work. 0.7 blocks is good defensive work. But there's a long way to go here for him. I think he can work into a rotation guy. He's got to sort of battle away from Joe here and then push ahead of Shake Milton. It was typical Doc Rivers. Like, you've got a first-round pick in the 20s. You're never playing. Remember Reggie Bullock? He was a rookie under Doc. Just never played. Just literally never played. As so often the case with these guys under under Doc Rivers. He just doesn't play them. Um, and he's probably not ready, but Shake and Corkmars weren't giving anything. Joe was struggling a little bit. I would have liked to have sent a little bit out of Springer. So the package is someone, I think, to watch. We don't really get any indication from him this season. He's still only 19. He doesn't turn 20 for another five months or so. So he's still got a lot of growth to happen, and it's not going to happen for three or four years, and it's probably not going to happen on this team. But a guy that might end up developing into a DeLon Wright type, that's a possibility. Not writing him off. So I like the young guys. I like Springer. I like Bassey. I like Reed. I obviously like Maxi. Maxi is a guy that I think will be top 40, but not next season. I think will be a step back before there's a step forward. Harris, I think, is on the big decline. I think Harden's on the big decline. Embiid is going to be risky as to where we pick him. Thibel, I don't really ever see it coming to fruition. And then we want to watch the Reed, Bassey, Springer, Joe guys to see if they can at least force Doc's hand and start to play them at all. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.